Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, good afternoon, Sharon. How are you doing being quarantined at home? I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's been a day. You know, you have those kind of days, especially when you're quarantined. Isn't that the truth? Well, I understand that all weekend you were pretending you were, what, Tom Bunyan or something <laughs> out there chopping and cutting up wood. <laughs> yeah, getting your frustrations out. You know, I think... Lowe's and Home Depot must be doing pretty good right now. I think people are quarantined yeah. at home and they are doing every home project they can possibly do just to stay busy. I absolutely agree. I don't live far from a Lowe's and that parking lot is slam full every oh, yeah. time you go by there. Hey, I think all the honeydew lists are getting done. They're getting done. And now they've got where you can order online and you just pull up, pick up your stuff and drive off. At Lowe's? At Lowe's. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So Lots well, of people getting all their yard work done. Where I live at, people are out there doing their flower pots and everything. Oh, Not yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky my children lived. I don't even try to grow plants. <laughs> uh, no green thumb for you, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> Pierce has one. We used to have a really nice garden at the old house, but not me. Mm. Oh, well, we all have our strengths, don't we? Yeah. Hey, Sharon, I got a question for you. You know, I've just been thinking about this. If, you know, if we can kind of look back at our lives now, what both of us have accomplished and where we are and, you know, think about yourself 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And now that you look back on it, you know, what, what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? Mm, 20 years ago, hmm. always take good care of your skin. Mm, okay. <laughs> we didn't even know what sunscreen was back then, you know, but I was never a sun goddess, but definitely take care of your skin. And, you know, I wish that I would have worked harder, I guess. Wow, you know, whenever you, well, when you look back on your life and you think about where you're at, I wish that I was further 
and maybe I should have worked harder. And I don't know, because when you look back, you think you've not accomplished enough, I think. Wow, that's interesting coming from you. Well, I am a workaholic. So what about what about you? What would you tell yourself, God, 20 years ago? How old were you? <laughs> I was only eight. I mean, gosh, Sharon. <laughs> you, you were a baby still. Uh, so. Yeah, you know, I mean, I look back at the last 20 years, and I mean, it's interesting because, you know, life has changed a lot, but I don't know that I would have done much different than what I've done. You know, I think that I probably would have developed some relationships along the way that that I didn't do and didn't spend the time on. But, you know, outside of that, you know, I look back on the last 20 years and, and overall, you know, after going through a divorce and, mm-hmm. you know, that was probably the worst part of it. And being a single parent, you know, I learned a lot throughout both of those and then got remarried and, you know, had two other kids and. But, you know, I I guess I would tell myself, just hang on. You know, life gets better. Mm, Yes. Life gets better. You know, I I look at where I am now and I think, you know, it's not a bad spot to be in. You know, we're we're pretty good. If you could go back to any age, what would it be? Oh, wow. Mid. I got to be careful with this one, Sharon. Well, you don't have to couch it with life circumstances. You can just, I'm just talking about, how, well, I'll tell you, I would go back and be 35. That's what that I was, was going to say, mid-30s. Mid-30s. That was yeah. my favorite age. You're in the best shape you're ever in. Yep. You look the best you ever look. You feel the best that you ever felt. And you're making I mean, a little money. Yes, you're not broke. I mean... All the time. I can remember when finding change in the washing machine or change in the couch. And then we can go out to eat at a drive-thru and sit in the car (laughs) because we couldn't afford the drinks as well as something to eat. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I have, have seen the road along the way that wasn't quite as paved as others road, but we made it through it and, you know. We're in a pretty good situation as we move forward from here. Well, looking forward to a better one when we get out of this quarantine. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I found a good quote for us. Oh, let me hear it. It's the quickest way to double your money. And it, it's not the joke I use with all my anesthesia folks, that, you know, what I'm, right. I'm teaching it. Because that is, you know, I, I look at the students and as we're kind of talking to them about their financial future and what they want to know. And I say, you know what? You know what the easiest way is to double your salary as a CRNA? Of course, they have no idea where I'm going with this, but they look around the room. Look at your classmates, you know, maybe wink at them. You know, maybe you'll get married. You got to double up your <laughs> income and, you know, it's the best way to double your salary right there. So. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I like it. Hey, and I've had a few oh. of them even take me up on it. So, mm. you know, well. I, I consider myself a matchmaker sometimes, so. There you go. Well, but this one was just actually, in case financial the financial markets don't work out and we stay in this free fall. <laughs> hey, the, the financial, you know, I can do that. I can be a, a psychologist. You know, I can yes, hold your you hand. Can. I mean, you know, and yes, maybe one day I'll be able to intubate folks. I don't know. We'll see. I keep working. Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so I understand we're going to start talking about 
people who have sent us questions and pull something out of the mailbag whenever we get it in. Yeah, but you didn't let me do my quote here. Oh, my God. Was it? Uh, This is from Will Rogers. This is not Jeremy. Well, I forgot the quote after that nice little (laughs) joke about how to double your salary. Well, you know, Will Will Rogers' way to do it, I think, is even better. You know what the quickest way to double your money is, Sharon? Tell me, Jeremy. Pull it out of your pocket, fold it in half, and put it back into your back pocket. (laughs) Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Because when my money comes out, I'm usually giving it away. (laughs) That's right. That's like most of us. I thought that was pretty good. But yeah, that is so, cute. you know, we get people and we ask CRNAs to uh, email us and ask us questions and so forth all the time. And, you know, we get some good questions. And, I, you know, I thought it might be good for us to share a few, especially on these financial episodes that we're going to sure. talk about today. So we, we had one. If you want to kind of read through it, and then I'll kind of take my stab at it. Sure. Okay, Rick from West Virginia said, I retired two years ago with more than a million dollars in my IRA, which I thought at the time would be more than enough to give me the retirement lifestyle that I want. And I'll probably be fine, but it makes me nervous every time I draw money from that account because I don't want to live too long and run out of money. And the recent downturn makes it worse. Am I worrying too much? Wow. I mean, you know, Sharon, if I don't hear that question once a day, I hear it five times a day. And it it doesn't matter how much money you have. Everybody wants to know the answer to that question. Am I going Mm. to outlive my money? I mean, I've seen folks with 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 million dollars, and they still have that same question. And really, um, really, I mean, it's amazing. You wouldn't think that, but you really do. And, you know, money is emotional, as you and I've talked about a lot before. And it really is, you know, what does my lifestyle look like and how much money is it going to take for me to live for the rest of my life? And, you know, that is something that is not just a one time process. It's something that you work through every single year. And looking Mm -hmm. at where I'm at and where I'm going. And, you know, a lot of times people look at retirement planning or even financial planning and they think it's kind of a one-time, one-off. Just kind of put my money in something, leave it. You know, I hear all the time, just buy the cheapest low-cost index fund, leave it alone. And that works to a certain extent. But when you get to a certain age, that doesn't work anymore. Um, right. And it sounds like Rick is in one of those situations. And, and the advice I would give Rick is, you know, look at your annual expenses. Look at your guaranteed income sources. If you're getting Social Security, which, you know, you probably are, look at if you've got any pensions or anything that's giving you a monthly income, rental income and so forth, and get that number. And then what does it take for you to live monthly in today's dollars? Most of our CRNAs want somewhere between ten and $15,000 a month in today's dollars is what I find. You know, and if you've got six or seven coming in from guaranteed income sources, then, you know, you've really got to replace four to six or seven. And then what does it take? And kind of back into those numbers and try to figure out, you know, what rate of return do I need on my assets if I live to be 100, if you think you're going to live to be 100 or, or age 90 or 95, And that's one way to kind of look at it very simplistically. But I would say, Rick, you're probably right on par with what most people do, especially in a downturn like today. 
And, you know, worrying too much is kind of relative because different people feel very differently about money. But that's, I think that's a great question. Absolutely. Well, I guess it depends on your genetics, too, on how long you think you're going to live now. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I mean, my mother was 50 when she died. I don't, I've yeah. already went past that. And, I can't believe you said you that know. on air, Sharon. What? Yeah, I know. Past I've 50? About how old I am. Wow. Jeez. The listeners <laughs> know, are getting right? a treat today. <laughs> but, you know, Pierce, his grandparents lived to be in their 90s, and they just kind of wore out. I yeah. mean, his grandmother still push mowed her yard off till she, and drove till she was close to 90. And if she wouldn't have fell and broke her hip, she'd probably still be here today. Um, yeah. Well, you've always told this, me he's going to outlive you anyway. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Unless it's a, a tragic accident of some sort, Pierce will clearly outlive me. But that's okay. He's given me a list, uh, and I approve who he can marry after me. <laughs> Because they'll be spending my retirement. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, let's talk about money just a little bit. Uh, Everybody loves this topic. And so we've decided to call this the best intentions, but bad advice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were planning to bring this up even before the coronavirus pandemic hit. But now I think it's even a little more important for us to talk about. You know, most people get financial advice from a lot of different sources. And some of them really do have good intentions. But a lot of times what you'll find is you're actually getting bad financial advice for your situation. Mm. Um, And, you know, you really have to put that into context. How is my situation different from yours, Sharon? And how is your coworker's situation different from yours? And think about the surgeons you work with and and how they're situated. So we all kind of piece together financial advice. And, you know, a lot of times people are getting it from CNBC or online. Hey, I read about this hot stock or, you know, but what I find is that most people get a lot of the financial advice that they get in their life from their family. And Sharon, I know your your dad, who was extremely smart and really an amazing man in a lot of different ways, but one of those was financial. Mm-hmm. He grew up the hard way. Oh, when he left home, everything he owned was in a paper sack. Yeah. So, and he did have a car that he won playing. Uh, he won money playing poker. Okay. You know, he was very good with math, and I, I bet he was counting cards. <laughs> <laughs> he had, a, he had a, an amazing memory. I wouldn't be surprised. But you're exactly right. Now, my, my daddy never really steered me wrong. He had great advice, and even after he had his surgery whenever he had cancer he is sitting there he is jacked up on opioids and he's watching the tv i'll never forget this and something about purina dog chow or something come on the tv and he said you know if i was still investing in the stock market i would buy stock in pet food because people have gone crazy about their pets A uh, little, uh, little did we know that the love of my husband's life would be a six-pound dog. Yeah, but 
what was, I can't remember the stock that I went and bought right after that. I, Purina is owned by somebody else. Anyway, I did some research and I did. I went that, that day and bought some stock and I think it like tripled in no time. And I mean, he was like drugged up and just, but what he did, Jeremy, is he paid attention to life. Yeah. And what people used and what was important and what people had to have and people have to have their pets. And so he was right. He was really, really good with all of his advice. I can remember after my kids started going to school at one was at state, one was at Peace College in Raleigh. And they had been down there for about a year. And he said, you know, you need to buy a condo and then just resell it after the kids get out of school instead of paying for two places for them to stay. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me that a year ago? He (laughs) said, well, I thought maybe you were smart enough to figure it out. (laughs) So I did that. And then whenever I sold the place, actually proportionately, I made more money off of that place than I did the house that I sold that I'd lived in for 25 years. Wow. Yeah, especially in that Raleigh market, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot yeah. of people turn to family members for investment advice, um, especially, you know, somebody they perceive that, you know, has the knowledge or has done well or has become financially successful. But, you know, a lot of times what we find is that you perceive someone to have more money than you and you listen to them and it's really not the right outcome for you or even if they do have more money and they do have your best interest at heart, they don't clearly understand your financial situation or your goals. And, you know, I think that's what we find a lot of times with folks who seek financial advice from family members is it's right for them, but isn't necessarily right for you in your situation. Right. Right. Well, let's talk about friends. I mean, sometimes you might get your financial advice from friends. If you've got any friends, do you have friends? I I have a few. I have a few. Not many that I would take financial advice from, though. (laughs) No, I take that back. I have a lot of really good friends in the industry who are really good at what they do. But, you know, we also find that guys playing golf and they'll get a stock tip from their buddy where they had a couple beers on the back of a golf cart somewhere or, you know the person that you work with in the or the surgeon says hey you know what you need to buy this stock you ever you ever had them do that Sharon? hey you oh, need yeah. to buy this stock this is going to be the best thing and then you never hear about it again you know they've uh, they've lost their shirt in it you know so just be careful with friends and so forth and again it just goes back to is it right for my financial situation. And what we typically find is that friends will tell us about stocks or things that they've done that they make money in, right? Well, sure. You're not going to tell somebody when you lost your shirt. Exactly. (laughs) So we never hear about it. You know, that guy that's always bragging about, you know, hey, man, I just, I just made a hundred percent of my money and this is a great, you should do what I do. But you don't hear about all the times that he lost a shirt and lost more than 100% of the money. Well, back to Daddy, I got to tell you this story. Whenever I was moving out of his house after he died, and he had kept a stock certificate up. And they used to have those little things you hang on the wall that you put your mail yeah. in. Mm-hmm. 
and it was there and I, I threw it away, but I can't remember how many years old it was, 30, whatever. And I'd asked him what that was. And he said, I listened to somebody else. I didn't do my own homework and I lost all my money and I have kept it up there for 30 years. So I don't forget to not be stupid again. <laughs> wow. As a reminder, I, I tell you what, that's smart. That 30 smart. years that thing had been up there. Um, wow. He said, because I wasn't going to be stupid again. <laughs> and, you know, he lost, I think he said he lost like $7,500 and 30 years ago. That was a lot of money. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of money now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but wow. I finally threw it away whenever I left the house. So. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. An- another lesson learned. So, uh, mm-hmm. so who else? Do, well, sometimes CPAs give you financial advice. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. We're not saying that CPAs don't know what they're talking about, but the job of a CPA or an accountant or someone like that is not to give financial advice. His job is to give you tax advice. And most CPAs are pretty hesitant to agree with the advice that your financial advisor gives you. And that's always pretty interesting because, you know, as we also have our tax practice and we have our financial practice, those two sides really work together to make sure we're doing the right thing for the client. But, A lot of times, if you've got those in two separate entities, the CPA really doesn't want to agree because they want to put themselves into a situation of giving investment advice because they're not licensed to do that. So if you ask your CPA for investment advice, he's more than likely going to try to evade the question, which probably comes across to most people as, no, you shouldn't do it. So just Ah, know. Point. You know, I mean, they're trying to cover themselves, which I get, and they are smart people and they know numbers and they know the financial side of things, but they don't understand the investment side and the financial planning side. It's not what they do every day. You know, I know enough about anesthesia, but if I want to be dangerous, there you go. (laughs) I might be able to talk a little bit of lingo and understand a little bit of what's going on. But if I went in to intubate you, Sharon, I feel sorry for you. You're probably not going to make it. Um, well, I really like my teeth, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, yep, yep, because I'm going to shove that thing down your throat and break them off. But, uh, um, you know, I mean, but yeah, I mean, CPAs have their place, but, you know, taking investment advice from them is probably not the smartest thing to do. But tax advice. That's what they're there for, a knowledge of that. And, you know, because of the makeup of our practice, having the tax side and the financial side, mm-hmm. um, you know, and especially dealing with both of those sides for CRNAs around the country, we've got a good working and base knowledge of both of those sides. Now, I have. A, well, you consult experts. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we have folks on our team and our staff that that's all they do. And, you know, we uh, we run everything by them and make sure everybody's making the right decisions. So. But yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of leading back in is just making sure you've got good people around you and a good team. Mm, good point. What about experts in the media? Oh, this one's great. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't we don't typically find that the media has good intentions. As we all know, you know, the media is there for what? 
Sensationalizing. Sensationalizing, exactly. But, you know, a lot of times people will think that Kramer, you know, one of these guys on CNBC have good intentions, and that's really not the case. I mean, they are there to get the ratings up, to sell their product, just like newspapers and magazines and so forth. And they don't know you. They don't know your situation. They don't know anything about you. You know, what I've learned over 20 plus years of doing this is that investing, retirement planning, financial planning is personal. It is very personal. You've got to get to know the person, how they feel about money, how they feel about their their families and their children and their grandchildren. I mean, I could tell your story, Sharon, I mean, of... <laughs> You know, people that we've worked with over the years that you, you just wouldn't believe how some people feel about certain things. And all that goes into their planning. I mean, I've had clients who have disinherited their kids. You know, they'd rather go to charity than their kids. I've had other clients who, you know, want to leave their kids millionaires. And it's all over the board. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I think making sure the theme here is making sure that you are doing the right thing for you. Right. Well, money is a very individual thing. And I'm sure that, well, you can probably agree to this. In marriages, you only argue about three things, money, sex, and the children. <laughs> you hope those are the only about, three things, right? Well, pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. And, you know, even within a marriage, you can have different outlooks on money. And that's what Absolutely. I suspect makes your job. Very interesting when you sit down with oh, couples. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's very interesting, and if, especially if you've got them not on the same page and not understanding what the other person wants. And then you get in the middle of it, and they want you to be the peacemaker. They want sure. you to tell them what to do. And you've got to tactfully bow your way out of that, which is tough sometimes. But, you know, Sharon, some other things kind of dealing with this, you know, Fidelity recently did a, a study on the amount of typical retirement savings for Americans. And, uh, you know, I, th I thought it was pretty interesting and something we might want to talk about in this episode. Okay. Well, so what's the average amount that people have in their 401ks? You know, it's that's pretty interesting too. You know, the average amount according to Fidelity was about two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars is what people have in their four hundred one K plan. Now that was last year, the end of last year, so it might be a little bit less now that the corona has uh yeah. taken the financial markets down. But this is talking about the generalized population. You know, our CRNAs on average make a lot more money than the general population. Mm -hmm. um, and from what I see in, uh, you know, SRNAs and CRNAs who've been out for a few years in that millennial generation, they have even more than 175 grand saved. And our, you know, our baby boomers or our retiree age clients on average probably have somewhere a million three to a million eight saved. That's the average CRNA that we see nowadays. And, you know, we've seen some CRNAs that, you know, have five to seven, eight million dollars saved. But, you know, they're savers and, you know, maybe they've had a 1099 position or even owned a group and, you know, been able to, to sock a lot of money away. But, you know, if you find that you're not near these averages, there are a lot of things you can do. But the first is, you know, making a plan. What do I need? What should I be saving? What rate of return do I need? It all goes into making that plan. 
Well, planning is everything. Wait, there's a saying about that. If you don't plan, you plan to fail or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's close enough. We'll use that one. If you don't plan, plan to fail. There you go. <laughs> so any last words of wisdom that you want to offer our listeners? Well, I think, you know, just as a, a generalized saying here is it goes back to the theme of this show, and that is financial advice is very specific to the person. It is what works in my situation for me and my family and my goals and things I want to accomplish. I will guarantee you that you don't have the same goals as anybody else in this world. You don't have the same thought patterns as anybody else in this world. Thank goodness, Sharon. Nobody else has your thought patterns. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, But, you know, I mean, in in your life looks different. The things you want and things that you want to do are going to be different than other folks out there. So I guess the thing to leave folks with is that whether you're planning for retirement or you're starting out, it's a very personal thing. And what I find is that as people age and they get to that retirement age, this is even more important. Because again, it doesn't matter how much money you've got. You don't care about that. What you care about is running out of money. And Mm. that's what people don't want to do. They don't want to run out of money. We're all going to be gone from this earth one day. And if we've got $10 million when we leave, do we really care? No. No. What we cared about was being able to take care of ourselves and our family while we were here. And, you know, that, that would kind of be the parting thought here is just make sure that you're doing the things that matter to you with your money and your finances. Well, very good last words, Jeremy. And I appreciate you and what you're doing. And you've taught me a lot over the last 20 years. Well, I'm glad, Sharon. That's good. Well, you know, I think we'll wrap it up here. Okay. Sounds like a plan. All right. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our other episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review, but only if it's positive. That's right. There's enough negativity out there, folks. Just a little bit of positive feedback. Or constructive criticism. We'll take that. We'll take that as well. So It's a wrap. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. 
Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit osaemr.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.